The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that raid Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 451, coming to you on Wednesday, October 5th, ahead of Saturday night's primetime battle between your 5 0 USC Trojans and the 4 1 Washington State Cougars. We're going to preview the game, make our predictions, open up a mailbag, and so much more here on this episode. As always, you can feel free to follow us on social media. We're here at Reign of Troy on Twitter and Facebook. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. We are live on YouTube, and our email address is Troy at fansided.com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, it is another week, another big time game for USC. Um, these two weeks, dare I say, these two weeks, biggest two weeks of the of the season thus far. Absolutely, yes, one hundred percent. Obviously, the Utah game sort of speaks for itself, but you don't get the Utah game to be as big as it could possibly be if you screw up against a Washington State team that has been very good this year and is, you know, we were talking before the before the show started, is just a couple of bad minutes away from being undefeated coming into this matchup. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is this is a huge, huge game coming up this weekend and an even bigger game coming up uh, two weeks from now. Well, I guess less than two weeks from now, but next weekend. And this is the difference between a team that is you know, year one growing pain sort of has to be content with nine and three, not eight and four, and a team that will legitimately have playoff hype coming into the final stretch of the season. Yeah. Realistically, I don't think there's any shame to go through these two weeks and split them one and one. Um, but if you can get through these two weeks, uh, the sky is the ceiling for USA. Uh, they get through these two weeks with but with two wins and go seven and zero. Odds on favorite to win the conference, odds on favorite to make the playoff, etc. All of those things, um, and SC season um, completely in their hands at that point. Um, Washington State, a contender um, up on the north side of things. I know that there's no divisions. I know, but it still it, it's feels still like easy, there are easier to say north, north side of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, you, you, you look at, uh, Utah next week and I don't want to talk about Utah much, um, because 
uh, it's easy to look ahead, and SC's got a big, big um, opponent on their on their on their slate this week in Washington State. Um, as always, thanks for everybody joining us here on YouTube. Uh, the, Josh in the chat, we got Tim, Connor. Thanks for everybody uh, joining us along here on Wednesday uh, as we look ahead to SC and Wazoo. We'll be back with a car cast. Uh, Saturday night, right after the game, I uh, expect to see a bunch of you because uh, it's a primetime game, and it's going to be exciting to see um, what uh, what we can do with the card cast during the primetime. Hasn't been a primetime game since week two uh, when USC played uh, at Stanford uh, in week two. Here we are, second month of the season, another primetime game for the Trojans uh, and a primetime car cast as well. Uh, be sure to like the stream here on YouTube and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Help grow the show, share it along with your friends and all of that. Yeah, we can never grow big enough, to, to be quite honest. We can never grow big enough. And uh, we are so excited with the growth that we've already experienced. And we're looking to forward to even bigger and better things for the Rent of Troy community coming up. So uh, keep tuning in, keep letting your friends know, and uh, there's stuff coming down the line for you. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's start with the news. Not much news to discuss, but still wanted to get to some news nonetheless. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. Best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.
All right, uh, Alicia, we talked about it in the end of the. Uh, did we talk about the end of the show on um, on on Monday? Yeah, it was in the mailbag on Monday. Yeah, it, it was in the mailbag. We talked about uh, the band, the USC band, um, and how there's some structural integrity issues uh, over in the Sun Deck, and there was an update. I want to read the tweet that comes from uh, uh, Brett Paddleford, who is the uh, head of communications for the band, the spirit of Troy TMB, um, who tweeted out on um, Tuesday. This is actually on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Sunday update. I heard back from the Coliseum and athletics and they are bringing in structural engineers to check it out. I appreciate all the support from USC Twitter. Hopefully we should have a solid place to stand on Saturday. Uh, and again, this goes back to uh, a video that he posted on Monday afternoon of the sun deck just shaking and looking precarious to say the least. Yeah. And we, we already have a message in the, in the chat from Connor happy Wednesday from a TMB member. Thank you for raising awareness on the sun deck situation. Excited for Saturday. Um, yeah, we, we always want to look out for the band. As soon as I saw that video, I was just like, nope, 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 nope. You cannot, cannot do this to the band. Cannot take this seriously. And fortunately, USC does seem to be taking it seriously. I still would like to hear, A, that it got reinforced or something so that it's not shaking by Saturday, because that's the next time the band will be up there. Um, I still don't want them to just stop at, well, the structural engineers came in and said it's perfectly fine. Like, as I said on Twitter... Even if the experts come in and say, like, there's no danger of collapse or failure here. I still don't think it's fair to the band members to have it wobbling like that under any circumstances. I also thought it was interesting that we saw several tweets from from band members in the past who said that previous years it was not like that. It was not shaking like that. Like, there's something going on here. So my hope would be that they figure out what it is. They reinforce it. They get it, get it together. And seriously consider, and I know this is, you know, in the short term, they have short term things to take care of. In the long term, I would like them to seriously reevaluate where the band is placed and and what the context of where the band is in the stadium. Personally, I would have them have the band back with the student section. I get why they don't, but personally, that's what I would do. But if you're not going to do that, think about what you need to do for permanence when it comes to mm-hmm. the sun deck and everything that's going on there. Unfortunately, do I think that that's the kind of thing that'll get solved or put in before the Olympics? Probably not. No, but they, 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 just structurally there can't be. I, I would hope that once the Olympics are done, that they do something with the sun deck that feels a lot more permanent and doesn't feel like high school bleachers. Yes, uh, I, I agree. Um, at the same point, I, I, I've seen a lot of, you know, nobody is a fan of the Sun Deck, and, and I get it, but uh, I, I've seen things like, uh, oh, this is the, the Sun Deck is the biggest eyesore in all of college football. Nah, I don't I, know about that. I, I think people are overselling how, like, obviously the structural issue completely is, a, is horrendous, and I'm not speaking to that uh, in of itself, but like the existence of the sun deck, everybody, like every stadium that has an area like this had something like the sun deck at, at some point. 
Colorado had it, and eventually they ended up remodeling, uh, and they made it significantly better. Texas had one of those little sunback areas, and they ended up fixing it, and it significantly better what they have now. It's like fully bowled in and and the whole bit. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know what the answer is because it's such a weird spot. But it would be weirder if there was nothing there. Yeah, and that's why I, I don't think that the solution is to just get rid of it and just have a big patch of unused space in the Coliseum. I think there there needs to be a plan for sort of the future that integrates that area of the stadium with the football field. And like I said, the prospect of doing that before the Olympics happens, I, I think the Olympics will dictate a lot of what happens with the rest of the stadium. But um, Connor says that he he thought that the plan for this year was to put the the band back with the student section, um, but he's not sure what happened between the spring game and the season. So uh, yeah. my hope is just this entire saga, aside from get the damn thing fixed, please, mm-hmm. is that it brings more attention to the fact that like that something should be done with that thing. Like 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 yeah. I hope it's not. I hope it's it's not like back of mind that. I think this there's a lot a, of cool things they can do with that whole area. This right? was a temporary fix yeah. that has not been very temporary. So it, they, yeah. they, I think the plan of recourse here, I think is very simple. Put the band in the student section right now. Um, build a more stable sun deck area that is better than what is currently existing um, that can last through the 2027 season, five five more years. Mm-hmm. Um, the 2028 season, we we know that SC is going to be playing either at SoFi or the Rose Bowl or who knows, whatever Home Depot Center is called now. I don't know, somewhere. Uh, Dodger Stadium, maybe? That'd be weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then 2029, I want a permanent solution. And at the Coliseum for that whole area, you can put bars there. You can put a pool. I don't know. You can get nutty with it. Hey, I mean that's the Think thing. Of the revenue opportunity. They could do. They could very easily create a uh, standing room sort of party section like they have at more modern stadiums. There. Yes, they, they could, could do integrate that. that pretty well if they do it right. Now. Doing it right is the is the other question, but because they've tried it, with so the, I mean, with SoFi has that suites. stuff, and people love it with those suites. Well, the people who get to be in those suites love yeah. it. So. I mean, you can't see the game from there. I mean, but the people who go to those things aren't there to see the game. This is true. Yeah, they're going there because because their boss got free tickets. Yes, yeah, and their boss can get those tickets and pay for those <laughs> tickets or whatever they want, and you, the Coliseum can rake in that that revenue. And the clout chasers can be there all they want if if the money is coming in. Like I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah, and that money can be redistributed uh, to, to the band, maybe. To hey, there I we mean, go. Radical thought. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, let's get into talking about Saturday nights. Saturday uh, nights, a big game on uh, on Fox, four thirty p.m. Uh, Noah Eagle and um, Mark Helfrich on the call uh, on Big Fox, 4.30 p.m. Saturday, October 8th. It's going to be a, a big one. We talked about Washington State, 4-1, and one, but they are like three minutes away from being 5-0. and oh. This is a very interesting team, a team that I don't think anyone had expectations for going into the true year one for Jake Dickert as 
the the full-time head coach. He took over uh, for Nick Rolovich last year. Um, and this is Jake Dickard's shot, and he's making it count, right? Something that Nick Rolovich didn't do. Um, and seven and four all time, all told, um, last year, uh, and seven and six. Wait, hold on. What, what, His, what are these numbers you wrote down? Washington State's record last year was seven and six. Jake Dickert's record yeah. as a head coach is seven and four. Gotcha. He was three and three as the head coach last year. He is four and one now. So I think I mathed properly. <laughs> Fair enough. I probably could have written it more clearly, though, to be honest. Either way, four and one this year. Uh, and like I said, uh, if not for the ultimate Coogan uh, that they had uh, against Oregon, um, they'd be undefeated. Uh, we- they went to Wisconsin and, and got a big road win in Madison, 17-14. We know Wisconsin is not the Wisconsin of old. They just fired Paul Christ. Mm-hmm. Colorado State. I th- I thought beating Colorado State thirty eight to seven is good because you know Colorado State a, a Mountain West team. If you beat them, beat a Mountain West team by thirty one points, it's what you should be doing. And in reality, that is what you should be doing. But then we see that Colorado State is like historically bad. Like the year. state of Colorado might Both be the worst state in terms of like states that have more than one Division One program. This might be the worst football showing for a state in the history it's, of football. It's it, yes, it it is horrendous yeah. uh, for Colorado State. Yeah, um, and then they yeah they they lose narrowly to Oregon. Has but a big Coogan experience, forty four forty one. Which all told, the narrow loss to Oregon is an impressive loss when you consider that they were in control of that game for most of it, had yeah. a two touch, I mean a two two score lead with five minutes to go. But we're so, gonna need can can we just jump straight into talking about that game? Because you can say Washington State cooked it. I think it was really fitting because Wazoo cooked it and Oregon organed it. Like the way that the 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 way that the cooging happened was classic organ too. Classic Chip Kelly organ. Like the, the, the they uh, just hit you over the head explosion of points the, all of a sudden. it's it's a tight game and then suddenly two minutes later you're down by 20 and you're just like what the heck just happened and but in this game they were down by double digits and then suddenly yeah. they win the game yeah they were down by two scores they score a touchdown wazoo has a three and out they score a touchdown pick six and then it's like Oregon is up by 10 and you're like what what even what even happened so Weird game, very weird game from the Washington State perspective. Weird game for us to evaluate how to apply it to USC because we were, again, we were we were chatting and it was like, okay, so what do you take from the Oregon game? Well, if you look at the rest of the teams that Washington has faced, they have yet, and because you brought up that, well, is it is it better that Wazoo seems like a defensive team first because then USC can just still hope to outscore them? And I'm like, well, yes, they seem like they have some defensive juice, but Idaho, Wisconsin, Colorado State, Cal are all like the highest ranked offense in that in terms of scoring offense is Wisconsin, and they're ranked 70 something. So, and Colorado State is like like 130th, and Cal is not very good in, on mm-hmm. the offensive front. So, the one team that is ranked in the top 25 in terms of, of, of scoring offense, Oregon, I think they're ranked uh, th- 16th. 
they're the one that pops off 44 points against them. But then you countered with, yeah, but Oregon didn't score a touchdown until the second half. And they were held to field goals the entire first half, even though they were driving. So like Washington's Washington State's defense actually was very good in that game until that two-minute flurry of like what the hell just happened here, which is classic Oregon and classic Wazoo. So how does that how do you apply any of that to a USC team that we can't even call anything classic about this team yet because we have five games of evidence for what this for what this current era of USC looks like. Um, I don't know how to apply it. So I, I, I think the Oregon game is very difficult because I watched a lot of that game. Bonix had a pick six, so Bonix had both a pick ways. Bonix was the Bonix experience. Up, it was he was up and down, up and down, absolutely. And you, you can say that Washington State's defense was good. When you look at the scoring, in Oregon, first quarter, three points. Second quarter, six points. Third quarter, six points. They go into the fourth quarter with only 14, sorry, 15 points. Um, and uh, they they went into the fourth quarter down 27-15, down 12. And you have to feel good about it if you're Washington State at that point. But they scored 29 points, including a pick six in, in the fourth quarter alone. Uh, I just pulled up the, the stat broadcast here. Oregon in that game, 624 yards. 624. That's a lot of yards. 446 on the, through the air, 178 on the ground. Uh, they average 8.1 yards per play. Uh, we, we can say that, that Bo Nick struggled early on in the game, and he did. But at the same point, like uh, the total numbers are absolutely what you would take any day of the week if you're, if you're pulling for Oregon there. Do they and, feel a little bit like what USC's do, defense has been pulling this, this whole year? It's like, yeah, they gave up 500 yards, but they only gave up 14 points. Like, I mean, a little, a little bit like that. Oregon went six of seven in the red zone, but there's a lot of field goals in there. Mm-hmm. So th- this is one of those things where Oregon's drives. Uh, I'm going to pull up the drive chart right now. Um, Oregon's drive chart. Field goal, field goal, pick six. Field goal, halftime. Touchdown, punt. Touchdown, punt. Touchdown, touchdown, end of game. Like I, so they they got it going in the second half. They they only two punts, but they had look at these drives: sixty nine yards, sixty five yards, eighty one yards, sixty four yards. They didn't score a touchdown until the second half, but their four drives in the first half were all more than sixty five yards. So it's about so, efficiency. So, like, what? It, how do you? How do you? How do you make that? Because well, what, what, what do you take of that? Because when we talk about Washington State's defense, uh, it, it starts with with, with Dayon Henley, who who's their their stud outside is, linebacker, leads the defense in pretty much everything, tackles, tackles for loss, uh, nine and a half tackles for loss, which I think last I checked is tops in the Pac-12 after five games. Yeah, he's he's, he's insane. He, he's in line to be a Pac-12 player of the year on defense. Yeah. Um, it all starts with him, 100%. And this is the defense that has had a million sacks and all these things, and you look at their their numbers, and they're always in the backfield, they're wrecking havoc and all of this. 
And then again, 69 yards, 65 yards, 81 yards, 64 yards, 75 yards, 84 yards. So they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oregon had eight drives of 65 yards or more in that game. So what are we going to say about this Washington State defense? Are they a defense that makes stops and forces you to kick field goals? Uh, is this a systematic thing where that was on Bo Nix and uh, at least early on, or is is Washington State very good? I don't, I don't know, I don't know. And that's why this this game is a little bit difficult to evaluate, and a lot of early season games are difficult to evaluate because we have more evidence of of what this team is with five games to evaluate. But when those five games are against teams that are either Oregon or a bunch of teams that are either bad or average mediocre the way that like Cal is like, right. I don't think Cal I mean, is a bad the, game. The flip bad side team. is they haven't allowed more than 14 points to, to an FBS school. Yes. Yeah. Idaho which, scored 17 points that. Uh, let's just, what a weird game. Like how did uh, I don't admit well, that game the FCS rivalry game from the, the whole conversation. But that game also was, uh, they gave up sacks and there was sort of just weird weirdness, right? Which yeah. is, I think, what my at my evaluation of putting together this um, rundown with, with all the stats and everything like that, this, to me on paper, looks like a classic, like, bananas game. Because I think this Wazoo team is exactly the kind of team that could just sort of have chaos happen but also have chaos happen to them as well like they have a lot of sacks they are seventh in sacks this season they're averaging 3.6 per game they're 111th in sacks allowed averaging three per game like they are uh 116th in turnovers lost and on monday there was a lot of chatter in in the chat about how um about how like cameron ward is a turnover machine and that that was going to play a role in this. And absolutely that can be it, but they're also a team that gets after the quarterback. So if Caleb isn't able to be the Superman that we saw him be against ASU, then this might be the defense that forces more mistakes from USC. This might be the defense that has the, um, the sort of chaos bringers to be able to do that. So, so much of this is to me about, USC making sure that they play a clean game. If USC plays the clean game, then th- I think USC has the ability to to get through this Washington State team fairly fairly routinely. If this is the game when USC decides to not play clean, a la the way that they played against Oregon State, where Caleb was missing passes and it was just sort of the you mean clean in terms of mistakes, not necessarily turnovers. Mis- yes, mistakes, not necessarily turnovers. Although obviously turnovers are part of that, but right. like mistakes in 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 the sense of um, Caleb can't afford to throw that easy interception in the red zone into double coverage. You just can't make that same mistake again. Like you can't you can't do it. You can't have your offensive line beating up the quarterback. Like you can't have mm-hmm. your defense committing turnover i mean c- committing penalties that extend a drive you can't have your defense um and these are things that you would say every game you can't you can't have but uh it, it's just one of those things where chaos could reign here it could be a wild and wacky game and that's the way that washington state has a chance if it's a if it's a straightforward game i think usc rolls 
the moment you talk about like pick six, like look at the Oregon game. It's pick sixes. It's wildness. It's, it's, you know, where the heck did that happen? It sacks every which way. Like it's just one of those things. So it's all about, as I hear players say all the time, like being on your P's and Q's and just checking your boxes. Yeah. I, I want to talk about the the rushing game here for, for USC going into this game. We, we've talked about it the last two weeks. SC should have run the ball more. They should have run the ball more against Oregon state when Caleb Williams is not on his game and he's completing 44% of his passes run the ball more, mm-hmm. uh, get, get Travis Dye more involved. So that way he, you can take some of the pressure off of Caleb Williams, especially when the offensive line is struggling, as we've seen in the last two weeks, put more of that onus on the run game to try to make yourself not look one dimensional, all of that. Well, here comes a Washington state defense. That is defensively. The numbers are insane. Absolutely insane. So, uh, they are 14th in the country in yards per carry against at 2.92. On the surface, you look at that and say, well, geez, how, how's SC going to run against them? Like they're only giving up 2.92 yards per carry. And like uh, if SC is reluctant to, to run as much as they should in general, maybe that's going to be an issue. Um, well, Let's talk about Oregon. Oregon in that game had a true 5.6 yards per carry average that wasn't affected by sacks because they didn't take a sack all game. Uh, that includes Bo Nick scrambling for 30 yards. They were able to run for 178 yards. Wisconsin, we know a team that commits to the run, run ran for 174, albeit at a 3.95 clip, which I think if you're Washington State, you take that against the, the, the Badgers, Right. Yeah, but, but Wisconsin this year too is not the rushing power that they were. They're fifty-six for, for nat- sure. nationally in, for sure. in rushing. So yeah, but again, I'm that's saying impact. You, you look at the numbers and it's like, well, Wazoo has held Idaho, Colorado State, and Cal to less than than two yards per carry. Yeah, Colorado State and Cal were held to less than one point three yards per carry. Like that's how like. They, they weren't able to run the football at all and then had tackles for loss and sacks on top of those things, which really makes those numbers look atrocious. So, okay, um, how much stock do you put into those numbers at all? Do you think SC um, can be able to run the ball here or, or what? Because on paper, this looks like they could be one of the best rest defenses. But like I said, Oregon ran the ball seemingly no Just problem. Just fine, right? Well, and that's... I want USC to find out. I want USC to find out. At the same time, when you look at uh, where they sit in in like passing defense, they're 87th in defensive passer rating, 116th in passing defense. So you might look at it if you're USC game planning for this and say, well, we don't need to run the ball because they're so bad in, in pass defense, then why bother? But like part of me would like USC the offense that we think USC can be should be one that doesn't matter if you're playing a good rushing or good passing defense, you should be able to to go in with the idea of you want to like punch the other team in the mouth and sort of demoralize them to a point. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be against USC going out and seeing if they can run the ball and knowing that Wazoo is going to spend their week 
thinking, well, what are we going to do about this passing offense? Well, how are we going to stop Jordan Addison? Well, how are we going to stop this? Like, they're already worrying about that. I don't think they're sitting here thinking like, well, how are we going to stop Travis Dye? But I would love for USC to, to come out and say, well, okay, you spent this whole thing, whole time thinking we're going to kill you with Caleb Williams. Hello, this is, this is my guy, my guy Dye. Welcome to the party. And, and, and give your offensive line a little bit of that, uh, of that confidence of, of running downhill and seeing if you can. If you can't, then plan B. Okay, Caleb, go out and do your thing. Like, I think you, yeah. you have worse, worse options. But, like, I would love to see USC go out and just say, you know what? No, we're, we're a running team today. We're going to run the ball. And if you stop us from running the ball, then kudos to you, Washington State. You did your thing, and we will have to uh, adjust to that and deal with that. But yeah. um, well, I, I, would, I would like to challenge Wazoo about their rushing defense. Challenge them to prove that they are a top 20 rushing defense. Yeah, I I, I agree. At the, at the same time, I, I, I think that Lincoln Riley has made a killing off of being a balanced attack of having a solid run game and a solid pass game. And you want to be able to do both of those for sure. Uh, and like you mentioned it, Washington State's pass defense is atrocious, 116th. Uh, just like we saw, you know, uh, previous games, Stanford's pass defense last year was atrocious. So what SC do? They they mauled them through the air, particularly in the first half of that game. So I, I think that it's going to be fascinating to see how the plan of attack is for SC on offense what that balance is like, um, and all of that, because this is Washington State defense that, like I said, can be good and absolutely should not be overlooked. But at the same time, I think Oregon sort of laid the the, the blueprint for there's a 600-yard defense in here if you will force them to to be that. Well, especially that if anyone's capable of making them another 600-yard defense, it's SC. Especially when you consider, okay, how do we compare this game with the Oregon game? And where did Washington State's defense really struggle to contain? Well, I mean, part of it was they couldn't sack the quarterback. We've seen them sack every other quarterback that they face. They've racked up, you know, multiple games where they've had seven sacks, zero sacks against Oregon. Well, what kind of quarterback is Bo Nix? He's a kind of scrambling mobiles or make, make plays with his legs kind of guy. Caleb Williams is even more than Bo Nix um, without the Bo Nix experience experiences. And I think that could be, this could be another game where Caleb with his legs could become the the key factor because he he's probably going to have, I mean, this is the thing, like someone like, like Henley gets after the quarterback and gets sacks. Uh, they had a preseason all pack 12 uh, edge rusher and Ron Stone who his numbers don't pop off at all. Like he has seven tackles, 1.5 tackles for loss and a sack, but big old circle. He has six QB hurries. So like he, and, and do you sort of, I, what I do with players sometimes is, is I haven't watched all the games, right? I, I did see a lot of the Oregon game, but haven't really seen the other ones. Like I just looked up on Twitter, like Ron Stone to see what people were talking about. I'm like, Wazoo fans were raving about him against Cal. He didn't, he didn't, you know, do anything in particular against Cal, but he forced bad throws by the by the very nature of just getting close to the quarterback. So kind of like what Corey Foreman did last yeah, last week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think you have to take this pass rush seriously in 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 that sense, but there's also might be room for the scrambly part of of Caleb's game to really be the well, thing that that puts USC up over the top on this one. But before we we flip the side of the ball and talk about USC's defense going up against their offense, 
Uh, really quick points. Um, USC has had an issue with pass protection. The offensive line the last two weeks has been a problem. And so while I think that this defense is susceptible to someone gashing them since Oregon laid the blueprint at the same time, I, is it fair to say, I think, I think it's fair to say that Washington state probably has the best pass rush of anyone they've played up to this point and really is going to be the test for that for Utah too, like that Utah game next week. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, it, it's going to be interesting to see what, what it's like for USC on offense because they got to get those guys healthy. They got to get Dietrich healthy and they got to get uh, the left tackle position really solidified with Ford and Haskins. So um, let's talk about the other side of the ball, USC going up um, against Washington state's offense. Uh, it's a newcomer to the party, a Cameron Ward, the the transfer from incarnate word uh, of the FCS um, and interesting little player. Uh, 445 yards through the air so far, 13 TDs, uh, great passer, 68.6% completion percentage, except seven picks, sort of prone to making mistakes, a mistake-prone quarterback going up against USC where the Trojans are number one in the country in forcing interceptions. That could be worrisome for the Cougars. At the same time, this is a Washington State offense that wants to move the ball through the air. Uh, it, Jake Dickert is not Nick Rolovich, and Nick Rolovich is not Mike Leach. Uh, but in a lot of ways, it's all not too dissimilar, right? It's it's not necessarily the air raid. Um, uh, what Rolovich Ro- brought brought in the 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 run, run and shoot. gun, the, run and the, the run and shoot from um, uh, from Hawaii, the old June Jones offense. Um, and the run and shoot and the air raid are, they're, they're not Cousins? that, they're, they're sort of, the, 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 what they want to do is the same thing. They want to put receivers in space, uh, and move the ball through the air. Um, albeit Mike Leach's offense, I think it's a little more methodical. Um, Washington State's going to take more chances. And you see that when you look at the numbers of Cam Ward throwing seven picks, but Ward's a guy. Um, I, I think that you look at the quarterbacks that SC has played thus far. Um, he's higher on that list than um, Emory Jones from last week. Yeah, and and there were some uh, opponents. And there were moments where Emory Jones got the best of of USC's defense, and there was moments where USC's defense got the best of Emory Jones. So it's going to be another one of those quarterback situations where you got you. I like. I think this will come down to USC's pass rush and getting Ward off his spot and making him uncomfortable and forcing him into into bad throws. And we know that this defense can take advantage of those moments, can take advantage of a bad throw when it comes. And that's really where, uh, it, you know, if ever you needed to have your defense ready to create some turnovers, like feels like this is this is the one. Their passing offense is very is very balanced. On the rundown, we usually try to grab, you know, one from each one the sort of top player from each position to to highlight. But their top three wide receivers are basically identical stat, stat sheets. Uh, Donovan Ollie, twenty seven receptions, two hundred ninety eight yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Dejan Stribling, twenty two receptions, two hundred eighty six yards, four touchdowns. Reynard Bell, twenty receptions, two hundred eighty two yards, two touchdowns. Like their leading receivers are within. 
15 yards of each other on the season, all three of them. So yeah, it's not a situation where you have to pay attention to one guy. If, if you have, you know, stribbling blanketed, Ollie and, and Bell are going to eat. And if you have Bell's blanketed, um, stribbling is going to eat. And, and it just sort of goes around. So the secondary as a whole is going to have to be on top of stuff. You can't get away with one guy not doing their job. You can't get away with, you know, the, uh, you know, and obviously you never want to have blown coverage, but you can't necessarily depend on just Makai Blackman being a shut, shut down quarterback or, or, um, uh, you know, Devani Jackson sort of being a shutdown quarterback. You, you got to make sure that your entire secondary is all on the same page and ready to, to contend with this passing offense. Um, the other thing is that, that this might be a prime game where, I mean, and this is one of my one of my big takeaways is this is very much a as it plays out kind of game. So we're gonna look back on key moments in this what, game. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Like, what does that mean? Like we can say, oh, Washington State has um, uh, this many stat, this many sacks, and this many tackles for loss, and USC has this many sacks and this many tackles for loss, and this many rushing yards and stuff. And you can like I think at the end you're going to be able to look at the box score and not necessarily know exactly who won based on the box score, which a lot of times you can just based on a few key stats. Mm-hmm. Because to me it'll be when did those plays happen, not that they happened, yeah. but like when did they happen? When did the momentum turn in this game? How did the momentum turn in this game? Where did it flip? Um, and and that's one of one of those things where you only get one red zone stop. But if it comes at the right time, you're you, it's it's a game changing, a game changing. So you can give up, you know, Wazoo gets into the red zone and and scores three touchdowns. But if if you time the one time where you stop them from scoring a touchdown at the right moment, the way that Oregon, you know, Oregon, um, part of why Oregon flipped the script on Wazoo is because of the timing of that three and out. Because Wazoo had scored a touchdown at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Oregon had scored a touchdown to get within uh, within a, a possession of Wazoo. Wazoo comes back down and scores another touchdown to pull back away. And it's at that point where it's it's midway through the fourth quarter and the Cougs should, should be home free from that point. Um, they're almost in the position that USC was in with ASU where it's like, we're kind of home free, but also mm, a little nervous. And then what happens? Oregon scores. And what happens next? Instead of, well, we're just going to respond, it's a three and out. And that three and out is devastating. Oregon gets the ball back and scores. And at that point, Oregon has probably already won the game without adding the pick six on top of it. But it's about when you got that three and out. It, it's about the, the timing of, of where these things of where these things occur. So one of the things that I'm going to ask in, in over-under is, is, you know, Red zone conversions. Wazoo has been very good in um, in in the red zone. So, when how is USC's defense, which is also quite good in the red zone, where do they get their stops? When do they get their stops? And how do they get their stops? Because I I don't think it's because it, it, again it's you can get three red zone stops, and the fourth one that you give up could be the devastating one. So timing, 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 timing. On the plus side. I think USC's defense has had excellent timing this year. We 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 credited them against Oregon State for 
for having the great timing succeeded ASU when the pressure got put back on them, they had great, they, they, they responded. So I think that plays into USC's hands in this game, but it's also one of those things where we're going to look back. at very, very, very specific moments as the things that, um, that sort of tell the story of this game. And, and it'll be not that they happen, but that they happen at that specific moment. I hope that makes sense. Like, I don't know if, I mean, it was a it was a long ramble. Yeah, it's a little bit. It's I, it's it's not the like clearest ramble I've ever had, but so I, it makes sense to me. I went into this game, the, into this preview, fully expecting, um, in doing before all my research and whatnot, to come into here and predict that this would be a dogfight. I, I mean, again, Washington State is a couple minutes away from being five and zero, and they're ranked 26 because they're the top team uh, receiving votes. And, and we talked about if they were an SEC team, they'd probably be ranked, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Having said that, everything I'm seeing on paper and just going back to the Oregon game, and maybe that's unfair. I, I don't know. I just think this is the perfect matchup for SC right now. I, yes. Um, SC has not put together a perfect 60 minutes. Um, it's early in year one. They don't have to do that yet. Uh, so I, I'm I'm not going to – I'm not judging the Lincoln-Riley era for not having put a solid 60 minutes together yet. It's it's year one. They've played five games. But they're going to need to put the six solid 60 minutes because there's a big game coming up in 10 days. Um, this would be an ap- like apropos time of to, to start doing it. And I think this is a matchup in which if they do get everything working together, it would make sense in my head that it would happen here when you see that this is the team that is predominantly one-dimensional. Cameron Ward is going to throw the football. He's not a running quarterback. He is athletic, sure. Uh, He's not a statue who's going to get, um, you know, just run backwards. He's not your... I think of UCLA's Ben Olsen of old, of just like (laughs) stone feet and just waiting to get sacked. No, he's not that, but he's not a running quarterback in what Emory Jones was. Um, And Emory Jones's ability to be mobile, I think, played a huge role last week and was something that we didn't talk about enough going into that game. And I don't think SC was necessarily prepared enough going into that game for either. And Cameron Ward's not going to be that guy. He's not going to run for a million yards on you. Um, he's going to sit in the pocket and throw the football because he's a big-armed quarterback. He, um, th- This offense in general is predominantly going to go through the air. Looking back at the Oregon game, again, as an example here, uh, in that game, Washington State runs 72 plays. There are 48 passes thrown by Ward. Uh, Nikia Watson... Their their number one running back and really the only running back that gets carries had twelve carries twelve carries in seventy two plays that that's not enough man it's it's not enough to create balance at all and I think that to beat SC right now you need to be able to run the ball um it's what Oregon State did at times it's what Fresno State did at times it's what ASU did in the first half was run the football. And if you're not running the football, you're playing into SC's hands because SC's strengths on off on defense is the secondary forcing turnovers and the pass rush generating pressure to help the secondary out with those 
with those turnovers. Wazoo's whole game plan plays into that tenfold. Well, I, I like I, I, guess... I wanted to go into this and 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 think of it as the, this battle that was going to be like this, you know, very close one because it's what I thought going in. And the more I look at this, I, I am I don't know. Maybe I'm naive, but I, <laughs> I think this plays I, very well for SC this week. And I, I didn't expect to have that opinion. I think we should have been tipped off on Sunday when Vegas put a line that I felt was too high for this game. We're going to talk about that in a little later. And looking at Bill Connolly's uh, projection for this game is also sort of leaning in that direction too. But you you did bring up something that you know makes me ask a question that people have been asking us is. I get that you are looking at that and saying that plays into USC's hands, but there's one very clear weak link there that it probably doesn't play into their hands, who probably would be better off facing a team that is a running attack team because this particular player has been exposed in the passing game. And that's at linebacker. That's Shane Lee. Yeah. So is this a situation where, if you are you sort of put on your your defensive coordinator cap, is now the time to experiment a little bit with your linebackers and bring in somebody who is is a little bit more capable of being a pass defender, uh, a, a coverage guy um, next to ne- next to Eric Gentry. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's. It- It'd be interesting to see if they we see some mixing that, and matching there. That's something I'm gonna I'm gonna have my eye on for sure because yeah. we asked the question on Monday, like, well, the fact that those guys aren't playing suggests to us that they're not ready to play. Like, if yeah. if the opportunities were there, if they were ready to take that opportunity, we would see them. Well, this to me feels like the ultimate show me kind of game where if any of those other linebackers are deemed to be capable enough of seeing serious playing time this this year this would be the game that i would i would see what you got as far as uh you yeah. defending the past because i think that shane lee i mean and it could be he just had a bad game against uh against asu and will come back and be ready to go and make a bunch of plays and and have us eating our words but that would be if I'm Washington State's offense. I'm looking at that, going like, "That's the guy we need to target. We need to find find his number and target him." Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's got to prove that um, that he can he can defend the pass a little bit more. Um, at, at 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 times, he's he's looked not. I'm not going to say Lamar Dawson 2012. It's not. It's not. It's not the Tampa two. The yeah. the, the Monty Kiffin Tampa two that. Uh, just completely backfired. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not that, um, but uh, definitely a problem there for SC and something to work on. Um, let's get into the over/under before we make our predictions and then uh, flip it over to questions. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, going into this, I have a two-game lead. I am twenty and eighteen. You are an eighteen and twenty. You uh, you got to put some lines to get you back into this. And I do not feel good about these Uh-oh. lines this week, guys. Uh-oh. Oh no! All right, what's your first one? All right, one thirty-six point five rushing yards for oh. USC. 
Uh, USC is averaging 183.8 yards per game this year, but they had their season low of 137 versus ASU. Wazoo is the highest-ranked rushing defense that USC will have played. They're 19th in rushing defense. They give up 96.2 yards per game, 14th in rushing yards per carry, 2.92 yards per carry, as you mentioned before. So USC making a statement on the ground or USC saying, screw it, we choose not to run, or Washington State saying, "Uh uh-uh, you cannot run. Which way are you going? I want to say that I, I would like SC to really commit to the run in this game, just because we've been calling it for it the last two games, um, especially if the um, offensive line is going to have trouble with with the pass rush. Having said that, my gut is that given how susceptible Washington State is to the pass, the passing game is going to be a priority. But I still think that 136 and a half is a line that you can keep the passing game a priority and still rush for that much. SC has too much firepower in the backfield. With 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 Die and and really Brown and uh, Austin Jones if he gets his groove back, um, then I'm going to take the over. You had me switching my my typing positions. I was like, ooh, getting ready with the U, and then no, hmm, hmm, over though, and then no, I'm going back to the U, and so okay, you're the over, I got the other under. Then what do you got? Yeah, okay, my first over under is two and a half. Over under two and a half. Cam Ward interceptions. He has is- seven in his last four games. He's thrown exactly two in each of his three games against Power Five opponents at Wisconsin, home to Oregon, home to Cal. What is he going to do uh, in this this game? Two and a half is, is the line. Can he get to three interceptions, or will it be l- less than that? This is perfect because Josh in the chat threw in an over under of. Two plus picks for USC. So it's already you guys, are, you guys are already already on on the front there. Yeah. Okay. I just do not feel comfortable with picking an over under that requires me to have three interceptions in order to win it. I'm going under. I think USC can still have a successful passing defense in this game without getting three interceptions. Uh, I feel more comfortable with saying there could be one or two. Uh, so I'm just going with the under. I will not be surprised mm. at all on Saturday when we're sitting on the car cast and saying, what a dummy Alicia was after there are five interceptions <laughs> in this game. I'm just playing the numbers. That's a good pick. It's a good pick. Two and a half is a lot. It's a lot. You yeah. could have two interceptions and, you know, still not. Still uh, not hit that. Hit, yeah. hit the over there. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good pick. Uh, what, what's your next one? All right. I got 2.5 red zone touchdowns for Washington State. Wazoo has scored three or more red zone touchdowns in all but one game. Their red red zone percentage is 95.94 overall scoring, 76.19 for touchdowns. Both of those are very good numbers. USC has allowed more than two red zone touchdowns just once. That was against Stanford. Stanford had four. So we're going 2.5 red zone touchdowns for Washington State and we are designating a red zone touchdown as it would appear in the stat book as a red zone score. Yeah, so if you score on a 50-yard run, it doesn't count. That's not a red zone touchdown, yeah. yes. Under. Okay. Feeling USC's defense. Mm. 
I don't, I don't know if I'm feeling SC's defense as much as I'm just saying under two and two and a half is is, is you know mm-hmm. the the SC's defense can be vulnerable and still get the under here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. My next one is thirty three point three yards for Washington State's longest kickoff return in this game. Nobody in FBS has allowed more 30-plus yard kickoff returns than USC with five. However, SC's not given up a 40-yard run, a 40-yard return, so they've just given up 33s, 35s, 36s, etc. Washington State, mind you, only has four returns in the entire season. They are a team that knows how to fair catch and take their ball at the 25. (laughs) So their special teams approach is our dream. Yes. However, they have one of those four uh, returns. It was a touchdown. We we talked about how Utah is the the special teams uh, juggernaut in this conference, and you got to be prepared on special teams going to Utah. Well, Washington State literally has a kickoff return for a touchdown this year. That's a problem for SC we've already t- discussed. So 33.5 for Washington State's longest kickoff return of the game. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I just looked up. I'm glad I don't have to pick this, by the way. I, I hate that I have to pick this. I just looked up USC's touchback percentage. On the season, it's less than 50%. Against Arizona State, it was 57%. So that was better. Um, I don't like this. <laughs> My instinct was to say over because I think a 35-yard return is very plausible. My... Counter instinct was, but they haven't had enough returns. Like, are they even going to have a return at all in this game? But then my counter instinct was, well, USC, if the offense is rolling, then they could force several returns going the other way. So, like, the more USC scores, the more that Washington State will have opportunities to return the ball, and the more they might try to push it. So uh, all of that is Sam going over. And uh, that's a big old shrug. I don't know. It's a 50-50 shot. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't know how to pick it. So I'm, I'm glad you can set the line there or set the, the picks there. Uh, and we'll go from there. What's your, what's your last over-under pick? All right, I got 4.5 sacks for line. USC. This is an insane, insane uh, line that I have set. But yes, I'm it doing is. it. Four and a half sacks? I'm doing it. Why? USC has had four sacks in all but one game and three games with five sacks. Wazoo. Okay, and this is where things get tricky. Let's go through this. According to NCAA stats, CFB stats, all of the official stat pages, Wazoo has given up 15 sacks this year. I can't find three of those sacks, so if somebody knows how to double-check this, check the tape, do whatever you need to do, to confirm that this is either a massive mistake on the NCAA stats, like official stats page for the NCAA, or there was some sort of phantom sacks that I'm not aware of. I have three versus Idaho. These are allowed, sacks allowed. 
three versus Idaho, two versus Wisconsin, two versus Colorado State, four versus Oregon, one versus Cal. My mathing is not good, but to me, correct me if I'm wrong, that's 12 sacks, correct? Four, five, three plus two is five. Five plus two is seven. <laughs> four plus seven is 11. 11 plus one yes, is that's, 12. That's correct. Yeah. So I don't know what the hell is going on. Either way, Wazoo has not done a great job of preventing the quarterback from getting sacked. Um, Ward has not done a great job of getting rid of the ball quickly enough to not get sacked. And USC, the the only thing that they've really done consistently on defense is to get a lot of sacks, despite the fact that I still look at the pass rush and say, like, well, they could be better. So it's insane. I'm setting it at 4.5. YOLO. Okay, USC is very sacks positive. We've talked about this before. <laughs> um, but four and a half is insane. I'm not I'm not biting. It's going to be – give me the under. If they get over the, that, then there will be a hell of a performance for SC. Absolutely. Um, but four and a half sacks, it's just it, – you're, you're baiting me, and I'm not going to take that, that, that gamble <laughs> at all. Maybe I'm baiting you into taking the under, and I, you did take that gamble. Uh, maybe, but I'm, take, yeah. I'm taking the under. Uh, my last one is also going to be over under four and a half. It's Brendan Rice catches four against Fresno State, three against Oregon State, three against ASU. Four and a half is the line, which is his career high is five. He had that uh, at Oregon last year, 102 yards uh, with Colorado. I The line is a bit high, just like your sacks, in that um, he hasn't gotten over it yet. But I, I think that in a game like this where Washington State's defense is susceptible to the pass, maybe we see some more Brandon Rice. I, I think he has played very well and deserving of, of more action in the distribution of the passing game. Uh, what say you? Four and a half Brandon Rice catches. We have been saying all season, like, we're due for a big Brandon Rice game. This could absolutely be the game. Uh, I, yeah. I think it's entirely possible. At the same time, Jordan Addison needs to eat. Mario Williams needs to eat. Taj Washington needs to eat. Kyron Hudson. Kyron Hudson is now coming through. He needs to eat. Uh, so I'm going to go under just, just because as much as I would enjoy Brendan Rice having that many catches in a game, I just think there's so many other players who could be catching the ball that I, I, just, I don't want to bet on, um, on that over. All right, that's fine. I like it. I, I like the uh, – it gives me the over. locks me into the over, which gives me a chance to uh, see it come to fruition. There you go. Big Brendan Rice game. Calling it right now. Uh, all right. For game predictions. Bill Connolly's numbers has SC by 9.1 points. It's 70% win probability. Vegas, as of the recording of this podcast, has the line at 13 points for the Trojans. Uh, if you do the math with the over-under and the – Vegas line that's like 39 and a half to 26 and a half or whatever. Um, what, what say you, what, what, what are your, your predictions, Alicia? And if you're watching us live on YouTube, pop in your uh, prediction in the chat as well. All right. I am going USC 35 Wazoo 24. I think that um, I, I just have a feeling that, the Cougars' defense is going to be able to get a few more stops than other teams have been able to get on this offense. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that uh, Washington State is going to score like ASU was able to score, taking advantage of when USC's defense isn't quite quite there. Um, I think uh, I think Ward can do some damage to USC's defense when he's not doing damage to himself. So it's going to be sort of a back and forth on that front. And 35-24, yeah. Not covering a spread that I feel is a little bit too big, but closer to Bill Connolly's nine. I I like that score a lot. A lot to the point where when I came in here, I so my God, I, I mentioned before that I thought that this pre pod research, I was thinking that this was going to be super, super tight. Uh, and I, I was prepared to say that this was going to be a 31 27 USC win after mulling it over, talking it out, all that stuff. Uh, I, I thought, you know, your score looks about right. I nearly wrote in almost your identical score, but that's no fun. Hmm. So I, I, I said that I think that this matchup plays well for SC, I think, um, given how Washington State is one-dimensional. Um, Cam Ward is prone to making mistakes, plays right into what USC's defense wants to do, which is get after you in the quarterback, force you to make uh, mistakes, and having a, a secondary which is more than willing to snatch the balls out of the air um, and run the other way. Put that all together. I think SC wins and covers 37-20. I think I would enjoy watching the game that you have you have played 30, out. 37-20 scoreline. I, I think that I, I sort of see this, you know, maybe I'm looking too much in the Oregon game, but I sort of see this going a little bit like the Oregon game in which those 37 points, you know what that means? means you score four touchdowns, but you add three field goals because you keep getting the ball down there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, maybe you're settling for field goals that you wish you could finish off with touchdowns. Maybe that's an issue. Sure. But you're still scoring points because you're still moving the ball in this Washington state defense. Um, And I think that on the, on the flip side, SC is able to contain uh, the passing game of Kim Ward. That's what I have down. Yeah, Tim and Batman in the chat both think USC scores 42, but I think they also both think that USC's defense is a little bit more vulnerable in this game. Tim has USC giving up 28. Batman has USC giving up 35. We've got a 49 to 34 uh, from touchdown USC. So people, uh, to be fair, going a little lower on that, 33 to 23. So, you know, I think... uh, think people are yeah i i think people are feeling sc this week uh we'll see how that plays out uh sc and washington state coming up again saturday night at uh 4 30 on big fox uh let's wrap this thing up by going to the questions we've got some questions into our mailbag here on youtube you've got mail uh let's open it up there if you got any additional questions Pop them in the chat, put the word question at the beginning, and we'll be sure to tag them uh, and read them off. Here's what we've gotten so far. Uh, Josh says, are we happy SC never hired Brett Venables? I am. The Sooners are a dumpster fire in a drought. All right. Here's what I'm going to say about this. We've talked about this before, about, you know, hiring anyone's a gamble. But if you go off of... I like to go off of the the profile. Like, okay, you know when there's a serial killer, um, there's a hell of a transition. I know. 
Um, I love it. And they, they have someone who profiles what the serial killer would be. You're an FBI profiler. Yeah, and they're like, well, it's probably a... Uh, judging by his crime, year old, the fifty-year-old Yeah, he's man. probably a yeah a, a man who probably lives in this area he, who does this. He probably works at, works in construction. Yeah, or... so whatever it is, right? So I like talking about the coaches as profiles, um, and you look at the big coaches in the country. Uh, Brett Brett Venables was someone who fits the profile of Bob Stoops, a national championship winning defensive coordinator. He fits the profile of Kirby Smart, national championship winning defensive coordinator. Those guys can absolutely pan out. And I think that there is a reason why we had Brent Venables high on the list uh, when we did our tier rankings of, of candidates for USC to go after. And absolutely would have been somewhere where I think SC could have felt really good. And I'm not going to judge Brent Venables through five games, just like I'm not going to judge Lincoln Riley through five games. Having said that, Lincoln Riley, we never mentioned in that tier list because he would have been way ahead of them because we never thought he was possible. Yes. We only talked about coaches. Like, we didn't have Nick Saban on that tier list because that was not realistic. So, yeah, Lincoln Riley would have been way ahead. The big difference here is that hiring a coach without – head coaching experience is even more of a gamble than every hire that you have there. And that was always the risk behind Brett Venables is the idea of, well, he's been a defensive coordinator for so long. Um, Does he have what it in, what it takes to be a head coach? We just did not know that. Like you said, it is way too early to write him off, especially taking over a program that was in turmoil Um, if he had taken over USC under the same circumstances, we would be sitting here saying he needs more time. He needs more time to put his stamp on a program. And Oklahoma, this is part of why I was sort of laughing at them all summer, is that like they didn't want to acknowledge that like losing a legitimately great head coach was going to be problematic for their program. And they made the best hire available to them but they were still bound to go through growing pains because the head coach is installing new defensive schemes. The offensive coordinator is coming from his own place and sort of bringing in his own offensive schemes. Change has consequences. And it's very difficult for coaches to take over in year one and hit the ground running. I think that uh, what we've seen from Brett Venables is much closer to what I sort of expected from Lincoln Riley. And guess what, guys? There's still time this year for that to happen to Lincoln Riley too. Like USC fans should not get too ahead of themselves because a loss this week and a loss next week suddenly puts USC, you know, right down there in the humbled position that Oklahoma currently is. So um, don't judge coaches by year one is, is the, the big, uh, unless you're in an extreme, unless we're talking very, very, very big extremes where like, you're literally Owen six. Urban Meyer at Jacksonville. Yes, or Urban Meyer at Jacksonville. Like there are extremes where you you can figure out in year one. Yes, this was a bad idea. Right. But like for most most of the time, you got to take it little by little and then see where you go. But the fact of the matter is, I think Oklahoma made a good hire. If it didn't turn out, if it doesn't ultimately turn out down the line, then it'll just go down in the pantheon of Tom Herman at uh, Texas and. 
a million other like good hires that have happened that didn't pan out either. Yeah. Uh, Alex says if, if USC will have one Pac-12 loss, which loss would you prefer it to be? Washington State, Utah, or UCLA? That's I, that's the that's answer. A, honestly, is Washington State. If, well, no, if, I think the real answer is who cares. Well, no, no, because I do. No, I I do care. Do because, you care? Yes, because I think losing to Washington State, but beating Utah and beating UCLA You'd tells so me good. way more about this team. Like about their potential. Yes, yes. I want. No, that's fair. I want to see a, good, a, a, a potential win. Where if you lose to Washington State, but I'm sorry, you you beat Washington State, but then lose to Utah. I don't know that we learned anything about the the like the impressiveness of going into Salt Lake City and beating Utah in that stadium it wipes away whatever happens wipes away week. whatever happens this week yes and losing to UCLA is just a bad feeling in your mouth you don't want it to happen so i'd never i would never that would never be one of my choices you absolutely cannot especially cuz it's so late in the season like you want to end your season on a on positive notes so yeah certainly uh so the the, the reason why I say who cares strictly is because I'm looking at this of if you're a one loss team, you're going to the, to the championship game, assuming there's not a three way one loss madness. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But you'd be, go, you'd be going to the championship game. And at that point, do you, who do you want to, to potentially have a revenge game against? Um, and, and I don't know. I think it would be fascinating if it was the if the the loss was UCLA and then you face them again in the championship game, actually that's the best like, case scenario. Like because like, then you are you avenging that loss? Like like does does that eliminate the loss in the in the the first one? No, like, I don't. Like, I don't think that applies to the UCLA game. I think it applies to the Utah game though. Yes. You lose to Utah and then get to play them again in the championship game and then beat them in the championship game. Yeah, you have lost to the best team of those three and then also beaten the best team of those three yeah. in that scenario. So, right. yeah. uh, so that sort of plays, plays into things, but uh, let's go with uh none and see how that feels. Yeah. Uh, our pal Kenny says, is this a bigger test than Oregon state? I, I want to say no because of the road environment angle road games, again, road games on the road. Obviously, road games, yeah. <laughs> but like road games are where good teams go to die, anyways. Yes, um, I think that at outweigh like the hostility and how good Oregon State has been just in general. Um, if we're, if we're going to say both teams are e equal, which I think is probably about fair, Oregon State, Washington State. I don't think that like I don't think one of them is decidedly way better than the other. They're 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 in the same general tier. Can we agree on that part? Mm -hmm. I think the road game is a bigger test. Yes. However, this does have the look ahead aspect. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, Josh says, "What happens first? Reggie B Bush gets his Heisman back, or they do something worthwhile with uh, the Sun Deck?" Uh, he's never getting the Heisman back. I. I I can't. I can't see it. And they're and they're so dumb. They're so dumb. It's it's should have never been taken away. And it's it's never yeah. like the the whole thing is meaningless in the sense of we all know he won it. Let's stop pretending like it was taken away. Um. At the same time, like, 
I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, he he should get it back. I I agree, but I I I wouldn't hold my breath. Um, AK says, are the the fans blasé because we expect a Lincoln led team to be explosive? Um, I maybe. I I don't know that SC fans are are blasé right now about anything other than the. Mm? I mean, I fans know. are going to be upset if. USC doesn't go out and score 40 points in any game. Yeah. Like, um, I, I would say that fans do have expectations of this offense that I would temper a little bit because it's year one, but also this offense has scored 40 points in all of these games pretty much, except for except for the one. So they've also earned the sort of expectations to a certain point. So, yeah, I, I, I think fans get it. I, I think fans are... are are very overconfident just about the fact that Lincoln Riley is the head coach and willing to disregard the fact that it is year one and the defense still has a lot of work to do and, and the whole, the whole nine yards and expecting a championship in year one like that. I think people are going too far, but um, fans are going to fan. So fans will fan. And uh, no, the, the the other thing is I, I think we've been, you know, critical of, of, the last two games and, and some of the performance on, on offense uh, and defense um, in, in certain aspects. At the same time, every time we are critical, somebody says uh, that we are, we are too positive. And anytime that we uh, are positive, people say that we're too critical. So like, I, I think there's all, you're going to find, find fans of any spectrum at all times. There's going to be blase fans. There's going to be fans who feel so good about the uh, the OSU win and who are amped about the ASU game because that was a Heisman level performance from Caleb Williams. There's absolutely plenty of people out there who feel that way. So I don't I don't think there's a blase fan base at all. There might be some blase people, but the fan base, no. Uh, Josh says, "Do you think Lincoln Riley has?" Uh, been trying not to overwork the running backs in preparation for the toughest battle with Utah. I don't think so. I, I, I think you, you work on, on load management in general, but I don't think you prepare for Utah quite like that. And the other thing is, I think we collectively having seen this team for so much know and talk about the Utah game as this physical battle. I don't know that Lincoln Riley comes from the outsider perspective and has the like the the trauma of playing against uh, Utah at Rice Eccles to the point where he has to think about those things in the same way. Well, I, like, hope- I think he looks at Utah as a very good team, not and and a team to be you need to prepare for. I don't think he thinks of Utah in the sense of like they they are such a good team that we need to be preparing for them three weeks in advance by holding Travis die out of games. Yeah. Not not out of games, but like not running with him on every down. I also think that like coaches, coaches should know better than that. Coaches should know that if you are focusing so much on the next week, that's, this is the week that you could get bit. Yeah. There was no reason USC couldn't get bit last week. So uh, holding out, Travis die for that reason. I think the better reason is just they have Caleb die in there. They're depending on him. Caleb die. Caleb die. Yeah. Caleb Williams 
and they're willing to uh, to depend on him. Yeah. Uh, Alex says, has Lincoln Riley ever had a special teams assistant coach, um, assistant while he's been a head coach? So I looked it up. Yes. Uh, his, his first couple of years, first three seasons, Jay Bulware, who is the uh, currently, sorry, as Wikipedia says, most recently the assistant head coach for special teams and tight ends at Texas. He was there last year. Uh, sorry, in 2020. Uh, he was there in 2020 under under Herman. Um, he uh, was the guy who did special teams and running backs at OU and was there predated Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley inherited him just like he inherited the whole staff in 2017. Um, and so he was there, but when he left, um, he did not get replaced with someone who had the specific task of doing special teams. Yeah, and people asked in the chat if uh, if we knew who which coaches were responsible for specific special teams things. We don't. They're not listed on the roster, their special teams duties. And since people don't watch, aren't able to observe practice anymore, we certainly won't be able to find that out. Yeah, yeah unless he's asked specifically about it. Yeah. And, and if they have, then I've, I've not, uh, not seen that. Uh, Alex also says, well, OU lose to Sark in Texas this week. I don't know, but that's... It's gonna be a fun game, and, and always that Red is, River always delivers. That is gonna be a fascinating game. But remember, rivalry game. Throw everything out. Throw everything out. Uh, it's a shootout. It's not a rivalry. It's a rivalry game. I, 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 Red River. I prefer Red River, the original name. Shootout. Okay, Red River. The Red River Shootout know, is a rivalry I know. game. I know. I know. <laughs> Throw everything out. Sj, what's more important? I see offense starting fast. The defense starting fast. Realistically, it's the defense starting fast, but the offense starting fast and the gravedigger offense, I think, would be nice to see again. I disagree with you one hundred thousand percent. The offense starting fast. You want to bury him? Bury him. Just just go out there and put up an easy touchdown to start. Next drive, easy touchdown. Next drive, easy touchdown. Make that defense realize that they can't stop this offense. To be fair, says any update on Relic Brown's recovery? Lincoln Riley, uh, in some interview earlier this week, said that he's as close to 100% as he's been this week. So that's good news. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll see if he, how he gets involved. He got involved uh, fairly, fairly often last week against uh, ASU. Uh, last question comes from Mark. Do you think UCLA can challenge Utah this weekend and give us a blueprint to beat them next week? Yes. Honestly, right now, who's the best quarterback in the Pac-12? DTR. It's well, DTR or Caleb, Caleb Williams. Pick your poison. Yeah. The numbers are almost the same. They're very similar. I think DTR might be a little quicker with his feet, but Caleb Williams is just as nimble and just as as, as shifty and, and going to get out of everything. They're basically the same dude at this point. I think it's going to be fascinating for Utah facing them both back-to-back. If I was a Utah fan, I would be terrified uh, facing both of them. They look they both look on top of their game. So, yes, I think they could be given a blueprint, but also anything they do would just give Utah the ability to make adjustments for SC the next week, if that was the case as well. Yeah, it's it, transference in in college football is, is hard to deal. Like how UCLA plays Utah doesn't necessarily translate to how USC will be able to play Utah. Yeah. Um, different Different squads, different approaches, all that kind of stuff. But Certainly, coaches are looking at the tape and seeing where there are vulnerabilities that they could take advantage, try to take advantage of as well. So, 
yes, UCLA giving Utah a tough, tough game probably is better for USC than you than Utah going out and absolutely steamrolling UCLA and then us feeling like uh oh well <laughs> yeah I, I it's okay so I, I said Mark's question was was the last one but we, we got a really good one here from from Lincoln's Pfizer I'm eating two mozzarella sticks that have melted together is it now one mozzarella stick <laughs> no it's yes. two. no it's two because if if the coating on each was fully around each, they are two stuck together. Like two fries that are stuck together aren't one fry. Uh, okay. They're two fries that are stuck together. To to the with my lasagna logic, yes, I agree. They would be two. Well, your lasagna logic, but realistically, is bad, them melding together and becoming one, I love. It's like the. The the mozzarella stick has gained power. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's where I'm going with that. Yeah. Also, shout out to all the people who have sent us photos of Costco Kirkland yeah. signature Italian sausage and beef so- yeah. <laughs> uh, lasagna. And, and Ron Burgundy two hundred nine says shout out to Penguin of Troy. Remember her from the old uh, WRSC message board. Shout out to all my WRSC folks. I remember you too, Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Good times. Every everyone who was on the uh, the WRSC board. I love y'all. We had we had many 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 good times, and uh, yeah. Rest Great in stuff. peace. Uh, uh, Rest in peace, Gary, Gary P. P. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the OG for sure. Yes. All right, uh, we got to run. We will we will hop out of here. We'll be back after the game uh, Saturday night against uh, Washington State. <laughs> USC and Washington <laughs> say State. Utah. No, I was gonna say U- uh, USC. Uh, well, UCLA. All right. Uh, Until then, uh, we will see you. See ya. See ya.